to Fidget, a BFRB podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Fidget. I'm Adele. I'm Jason. And uh, really excited to have you here today. And also, yeah, I feel my heart beating really fast because um, it's a special episode. It's uh, the last one that I'll be co-hosting for a while at least, um, as uh, I'm going to be stepping back from being co-host. And Jason is going to drive this fidget train into the future, <laughs> into the sunrise. So, oh my uh, goodness. Yeah. Jason. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Adele. Oh. Um, when, you know, no. when you first approached, I, I think... Like you moving to the Netherlands, you kind of you took your own train into your own sunset. <laughs> Not much fun here, to be honest. But yeah, <laughs> um, and I think yeah, just like watching you, kind of, I don't know, me observe from afar your sort of like netherlands journey and just seeing like different ways that you've been pushing yourself like you learning math <laughs> you learning teaching yourself linear algebra i'm like oh my god love that <laughs> um but it's just been so yeah. exciting to watch you like i don't know yeah like challenge yourself in new different ways <laughs> and i think yeah i mean moving to a new place is hard starting a master's program is hard i, I think it's a lot of new things this year yeah in- unexpected and wonderful ways i would say but totally. like we were just talking about this before recording but i think um say it, deciding where to put your energy at least for me is one of the hardest things the hardest the skill one of the skills that i'm working on the most i would say um mm. but also one that i've been learning about the most in the last couple years i think we both kind of saw it coming where mm. there were all these changes happening all these new yeah, things to learn, new people, like creating a social network here and just sort of figuring out my life over here. Mm. I I think, I, I don't think either one of us was surprised when this came up, right? I, I, and I think that's where I was leading to is like, yeah. as much as I am, you know, I am sad that you are taking a step back, at least for the time being. Uh, I am just so proud of you. You know, I'm so proud uh-huh. of you for having the self-awareness, just understanding where your energy is at right now, what your capacity is at now, like setting up healthier boundaries with like what's reasonable for you to accomplish, making tough decisions about, mm-hmm. hey, you know, my like I cannot commit myself to this right now. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just so proud of you for being aware of that. And also uh, and the other thing that I was proud of you about is, yeah, the the – Get stepping outside your comfort zone and challenging yourself. So um, I don't Aww. know. I don't know what else to say. I'm sad <laughs> but proud. Like what? What is? What, I what feel the same. <laughs> <laughs> sad but proud. Uh, is that the end? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah. No, I, I think. Um, well, and the other thing we wanted to announce is that it's what were you saying? Two years of knowing each other. Mm. Yeah, almost exactly two years. Uh, when we met in that Starbucks <laughs> uh, and talked about our BFRBs for the first time. And also about a little more than a year now with the Fidget podcast. And it, mm. yeah, I kind of think, yeah, anytime I make a life decision now, I kind of <laughs> can trace my process or my the kind of tools that I apply and everything. I trace a lot of it back to the last couple of years where mm. I feel like we, we've, 
had our uh, parallel journeys that have intersected in many ways. And yeah, it's been, and they're continuing because we're going to still keep talking, even if we don't record it (laughs) necessarily. Um, I guess I just feel really proud of what we've done so far. Mm. And I'm really excited to see where you take Fidget. And as you kind of continue in, in your own, like huge BFRB exploration um Mm. i think it's good to like i'm happy to make more space for that um as well through my own decisions about where my energy goes so yeah it feels Oh, yeah. I think this is going to be the tone for the entire episode. Is this weird, like, happy, excited, sad, but proud, nostalgic, you know, like, emotional roller coaster, folks? Buckle up. (laughs) We hope you're ready. (laughs) Hopefully, our title in some way prepared you for what's to come. Yeah, tonally, we're all over the place. Wild shifts, dramatic shifts. Wild. So, um, oh, yeah. yeah. I um, What you were just saying there right now about, like, the lens upon which you, like, you kind of filter all your future decision-making moving forward based on, mm-hmm. I don't know, something through Fidget? I don't know. Could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, well, I think it's, I think it. what I was trying to say is I've learned so much in kind of the level of detail in which we analyze or talk about things we've experienced and all of that knowledge. Like sometimes I feel like we have a conversation and then we come to a conclusion that, well, we've actually already come to that conclusion in the past, but we're just revisiting this idea again. And sometimes I'm like, what, why can't I remember all these things? But then I realize that there's just so much, there's, there's so many things to experience in life and like so many lessons that we're constantly learning that this process of repetition is actually really beneficial to me because I think I notice patterns in my life, hopefully a bit more quickly (laughs) or hopefully when I notice the patterns, I, every time the, the pattern happens, I can know a little bit more about how to guide myself through it. Mm -hmm, So yeah, mm -hmm. I guess that's all I mean is that, through fidget or through our conversations we're putting words to our experiences in a way that i find really valuable right and i guess in a way i mean it's kind of like what happens with my bfrb you know on a daily basis i notice patterns in my behavior and over time i'm sort of learning to guide myself mm-hmm. I think that happens in a, on a bigger scale in life and like mm-hmm. decisions i seem to make over and over again or or trends and like the the people i'm around or things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's a lot about navigating and less about like trying to be hard on myself or, or, right. uh, or strict. Um, mm. So yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. And I think, um, you know, I feel like there's this aversion, aversion. Like I think repetition has a negative connotation, right? Like mm. repetition feels like wasteful or like, no, we're reinventing the wheel. Oh, I've already learned this. Like why? Um, again, before we were recording, we were talking about like having our line and like how efficiently are we reaching our destination, right? Like mm-hmm. how efficiently, how much quote unquote waste is there where we move towards our goals, but realize we like get pulled away from our goals or we deviate from our goals. And then, you know, there are these internal mechanisms that, 
bring us back towards our line. And it's like, oh, I forgot what my goal is. Oh, here's my goal again. Oh, I forgot where my goal is. Oh, here's my goal <laughs> again, right? And we get frustrated because it's like, man, why is it that I keep on getting pulled away from my goal? Why am I like repeating these same mistakes over and over and over again? But yeah, I think those those two impulses, they're like rooted in the same place of, you know, we're trying to like hamster wheel run to the end of life, but that, like that doesn't really exist. Right. And so like, what's wrong with repeating some mistakes, you know, like what? Yeah. I don't know. I think that's, that's what I was thinking of as, you know, it's, it's okay that we're revisiting these same conversations. Cause it's like, because they're worthwhile and like, they're hard to do, right? Yeah. yeah. There's a and there's a few details that few more details that get uncovered every time. So it's mm-hmm. sort of refining and yeah, finding the vocabulary that works that feels a little better every time. And mm. actually I the other day actually uh I was I had to say no to something which was being part of a of a committee for school and I had to explain to the person, you know, this is how I feel about it. I, yeah, I just really want to check in. I wanted to check in with myself and I don't feel right about it. And and he said, oh, you know, like, I think that's so great how effectively you communicate your emotions and like how attuned you are to how you feel about things. And he was very complimentary about my, my text. <laughs> I just thought that was really sweet because, you know, like uh, learning to, communicate to understand our own emotions and then communicate them is it's a skill that will always Mm -hmm. be useful Mm -hmm. and I think yeah so I guess that's part of the repetition I think is because Mm -hmm. I've had to try to understand my own feelings so many times and then I told him after you know like part of the reason I have to do this is because my anxiety my uh way of coping is visible and so I can't Mm -hmm. I can't ignore it for very long. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I'm excited to kind of continue that BFRB conversation with him at some point. Right. But um, yeah, it was a moment of like, oh, wow, useful. <laughs> I read this book last year called Range, I think. I think the author is David Epstein. Um, and mm. he, in in the book, there was this story, this example of like learning speed versus learning depth. And if anything, the quicker you learn something, the less likely you are to implement it into long-term storage or like the less, Mm. like the easier you learn something, the less important you think it is. So I think how he demonstrated this or the study that demonstrates this was they looked at like first year university, like test scores and first year university satisfaction forms with the course. So they correlated high test scores in first year, like a first year math course. If the whole class averaged like an 80%, the feedback was really positive. Um, They're like, yes, I love the prof. It was so um, like, they made it so easy to understand. And I felt like I understood the material really well, but of course they tested very well. So they were going to give that positive feedback, but following those same students, into second year, third year, fourth year, the fourth year scores were actually lower um, than mm. the the inverse, where if you had a harder first year course, the test scores were lower, the 
feedback in the course evaluation was lower. They're like, ah, like this course material is really challenging. I don't know if I really fully grasped it. Those students actually graded better in fourth year, scored better because uh, they had to repeat those materials more and more and more and like sunk in deeper and deeper and deeper. And they really had to like, they understood the weight of kind of understanding the foundations. Um, Of course, that's with the hope of they don't flunk out and they just totally pick it up. Yeah, I guess there's a sweet spot. (laughs) There's the sweet spot of like how difficult you make it to like have that persistence and like integrate your learning into your like into your bones, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there's this like desire for ease, right? It's like, oh, I just want to learn things so quickly and like get through the course and blah, 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 blah. But that's actually to the detriment of long-term understanding and like, well, also what this book talks about is like creativity and like what's necessary for creativity is like this deep understanding to be able to like, pull it all apart and reconstruct it in a different way. And Mm -hmm. you can only get to a point of creativity if you have this foundation of understanding. And that's like being lost with everyone just like learning things so quickly. And we're just like skimming the surface and we're testing well and whatever. But Mm, that's fascinating. And it's making me think of this. So in my master's, I've taken this course actually last quarter, uh, It's about digital trade modeling, which is, Mm. yeah, how do you construct representations of the surface of the earth? And we've done it through programming and it's all been really, really challenging. (laughs) Um, But what's a bit controversial about this course is that it's actually largely a self-led course. So Mm. there's a textbook that the professors wrote, which we can just print as a PDF. And then they've created 10 minute videos for each chapter. And those are our lessons. And Mm. So it's self-guided and they're available for questions. Mm. And it's really interesting because I would say it's about half and half right now. Uh, I mean, it's still really recent, but about half the class thinks, yeah, this is a good technique. Like I've learned a lot of things and then they, you know, I've, I struggled through it and like some of it took a really long time, but overall I feel like I learned a lot. And then maybe about half of the students are think are saying, you know, like we're paying for this education. People should teach us through a lecture. Like they need Mm -hmm. to explain everything to us. Why should I be teaching myself from a book basically? Mm. Um, But the thing is like, and I felt a bit, I felt part of the second group, I'd say for about half the quarter, but as uh, the course wrapped up, I actually realized the value in in the way the course was structured and that there was no point in the quarter where I could pretend like I had learned something (laughs) like Mm. just because I went to lecture, I couldn't say, I know this Mm. material, which I think sometimes is the risk with how university courses are taught. If, you know, you listen to someone talk for an hour and a half, you have to at least hope that you absorb some information, right? Mm. But there's no such illusion in this self-guided course. And so at the end, like, even though I really struggled at the beginning, like now, as we move into it, we have, another course now in 3d modeling that is structured the same way Mm. and i just feel like i know it's gonna be hard but i feel like i have a really strong foundation Mm. maybe more than any other course that i've taken so far so yeah i think there's a like there's value in the struggle 
then again, like I think maybe the press could have been a bit more available to us. So that's where the sweet spot comes in. Like you want to encourage people, not just throw them in the deep end, but Mm. yeah. So. And I think linking that to kind of our BFRB journey is I remember that, you know, first, those first few meetings, us in Starbucks and like we had that um, PDF, remember the gross part, skin deep PDF. And we were like, reading it and we were sort of self-guiding teaching ourselves these concepts that yeah like we're so I feel like now I I have this like emotional fluency or this like BFRB fluency of like oh I'm picking my skin oh it's because of this I know you know like and like, <laughs> yeah. I just I am able to self-diagnose so much more effectively rather than you know like kind of going through maybe the traditional counseling model or just like having other people teach me like, oh, this is what you need to learn. This is this is the mm-hmm. value of meditation. This is the value of eating well. This is the value of exercise. It's like, no, I've had to like live that. And I've had to like self-experiment mm-hmm. on myself going through this journey. It was like necessary, right? To teach mm-hmm. me these skills and like really like, I don't know, kind of the only way to learn the skills. Yeah, maybe yeah. in the, the only way that like maybe everyone – not everyone goes through it because I think some people fall through the cracks. And that's something that we've talked about with BFRBs. Like if you never Mm. find out what a BFRB is, how are you supposed to teach yourself about it? Right. Mm. But I think even if you learn a skill, like you learn to meditate, Mm. I think there's like the, the point at which you actually effectively are meditating or incorporating it into your life is after you have taught yourself in a way like why it's important to you because Mm. someone can tell you as many times as they can like (laughs) yeah you need to meditate it's good for you but Mm. yeah you don't at least for me like it doesn't it won't stick until I really see the value or feel feel the value of it Mm. um Mm. so yeah Yeah. and then I mean yeah I think what's sometimes challenging at this point is when I do, you know, I have the, I feel the effects of my BFRB or I have a hard day and then I think, oh, okay, well, I should know this by now, but yeah, I have to revisit these thoughts and, and, and often the times when my BFRB gets uh, to the point where I feel like, yeah, it's making me feel self-conscious about how I look or it's making me feel uh, uncomfortable. Usually I realize that I've let I've sort of fallen back into other behavior patterns so it's more than the BFRB it's like oh I started saying yes to everyone again to like, mm. and I have too many plans this weekend or mm. um yeah I'm I'm doing this I've taken on this course and I don't like it and I feel overwhelmed in my schedule mm-hmm. so usually yeah I guess the the physical behavior I can tie I can associate with associate it with some of the kind of upstream mm-hmm. fears or challenges I have in, mm. in operating in life. <laughs> right. So yeah. It, um, yeah, but those like upstream like I like I like what you added in there about like without the the language, the like it without me even knowing what a BFRB was there was like no way for me to diagnose the upstream fears, right? Like I needed mm-hmm. some sort of like foot in the door to be like, 
ah, here's a here's a model, here's this framework for which you to to understand yourself. And I think that like quest for like wanting to know that, like wanting to better understand what's sitting behind my BFRB, I think it had to start with this point of like like there is something behind your BFRB. Because I think for mm-hmm. so long that was like disconnected for me. And I think I I didn't want to examine what my BFRB was. I like stuffed it in a box, put it in the closet and be like, ah, like I just hope no one ever sees it. And then I can like move on with my day. Right. Um, mm. But yeah, kind of like, uh, you know, opening the closet door, opening the box and like, oh, wait a minute, pulling up the, <laughs> these, these old things. I think it, allowed me to see how I feel like now that I like just think so much about my BFRB like my BFRB is the lens upon which I view every, all other things in my life <laughs> right like all other things in my life are viewed through this like you know like viewfinder of oh like that's making me anxious and therefore it's triggering my BFRB and that's because of this and this is because of this and that's why I'm you know it's like oh I yeah. get it now but because I didn't ever investigated i couldn't see that um Mm. and so yeah anyways (laughs) yeah it's like bfrb colored glasses (laughs) yeah yeah i think it's i mean as i said to to my friend in class like and we've talked about it before like it's a useful tool in some ways Mm. I, i think it's the challenge is sometimes i think the emphasis on the bfrb itself can be detrimental sometimes if oh mm. you know if at some point all my energy was going into not pulling my hair and then i'd end up pulling my hair on another part of my body and it's like mm. well or or uh told you about one time which was that like my cra- i cracked my joints and that was getting way out of hand because i was trying not to pull my hair so i was compensating with another behavior that mm. could be harmful so yeah i guess that's like one of the biggest things I've learned, especially in the last two years is thinking about the bigger picture of, of what's happening. What's, what's connected to the B to the BFRB is so important. And mm. like, I'm trying, I still have moments where I'm like, I just really want my eyelashes to grow for like <laughs> this event, this summer, like, so I can wear mascara. Mm. And then, mm. yeah, I don't know. I, I can't help it. Sometimes I feel that way, but like for it to be sustainable, I really do think, uh, bringing the attention back to the big picture like okay how can I be mm. how can my life be balanced as a whole so that mm-hmm. I feel good and you know maybe yeah. it'll mean that I have eyelashes but maybe that's also not the end of the world if I don't you know <laughs> yeah well how I think about it is like it's like these like different tiers of thinking and I think in order to have like a full like robust kind of healthy lifestyle i think all all stages of that pyramid are necessary right like mm-hmm. i think when i still have cuts on my hand and like it still hurts to like wash dishes or like open doors or whatever uh, yeah of course it's like oh like i'm so upset that this is something that i do to myself and you know, in those moments, it's tough to remind myself, like, Jason, mm-hmm. because of this, that's how, why you know Adele. That's why you have fidget. That's why you <laughs> met all, the, you know, like, I forget all the benefits in those, like, dark times. Um, and so I think what I'm trying to practice is, like, like, yeah, Jason, I should 
think that. Like, I should, I should be upset at maybe my BF. I like I'll be upset at my BFRB for yeah having a cut on my hand and that stopping me from living my life. Like that's a necessary part of the process, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's necessary to go through that stage because then it triggers the next parts. So yeah, like yeah, I think if time. like it's like to want to wear mascara that <laughs> as a driving force, like that helps. I, I think something I'm trying to think about is just like not to get stuck on that point. Because I think yeah. for so long I was just so stuck on I wish my hands were healed. 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 Now it's, mm-hmm. I wish my hands are healed. Okay. I thought about that for a minute. Now let me go through the rest of my cycle. Let me process this feeling. Um, but yeah. I think for a long time, I was just stuck on the, the I wish my hands would heal. Um, and I couldn't move beyond that. But now I have the mechanisms to move beyond that. So it's like, yeah, anyways. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And the also allowing yourself to feel that is important. Like, I I actually was listening to a different podcast, and then some episodes started playing. And I don't even know if I subscribe to this, but I don't know, it's all it's called All in the Mind. And it was an episode about toxic positivity. Mm. I was like, okay, I'll, I was biking. So I was like, Oh, keep listening. And yeah, they were, uh, the hosts were talking about some of the downsides of toxic positivity which Mm. often involves you know you don't let yourself be negative or feel negative about something Mm. and how it's actually really important to make space for that yeah Mm. I think that's true that it's okay to feel negative it's also yeah it's okay to sometimes well actually more towards the beginning of my BFRB journey like as a teenager I would sort of grieve in a way like oh I I don't have this experience of like going swimming and like feeling free because I don't care if like my bald spots show or something like that. Mm. And at that time I felt a sense of grief of, well, I don't, I'm not, I don't get to experience that. Like Mm. I I don't, I don't get to be that person. Mm. And I think, um, yeah, it's important to acknowledge that. And then, like you said, move move to the next step of Mm. how can this how can this be helpful or whatever but like yeah not directly going to the the positivity like oh it's fine (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, no that's something I've been thinking about as well this like toxic positivity idea and um I, I think I've been linking it with like holding other people accountable um so for a long time whenever anything goes wrong it's like oh it's my fault oh i did something i messed something up like what what can i do to fix this situation and i was so like in this like people pleasing mode where i was afraid of disappointing other people or like having criticism that i was just like let me fix it whatever went wrong let me fix it and i think that made me quite successful like it i took responsibility for things i was proactive and made me work hard do 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 but i think Mm -hmm. i reached this like end point where I couldn't take on any more responsibility at that point, other people and they were like not rising up to meet me with where I'm at or, you know, I'm thinking at like work, like, Hey, I put in 90% into this project. I just need you to do the 10 and they still didn't do the 10. The toxic positivity in me before was like, ah, oh, they're busy with other things. Like they, you know, they got this home life thing going on. Like, fine, let, let me just do 100%. Let me just do everything. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the mindset that I was in for so long. But now, the again, the more fluency I have with my BFRB and just my understanding of what's reasonable and kind of having this more self-confidence to assert my boundaries a little bit more, it comes to a time mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute, I've done enough. It is your <laughs> turn to do the work. And that was something I never allowed myself to be before is like to be angry at others because again I was just so afraid of people pleasing or whatever and so now as an act of like I was uh, talking to someone last week Ellen actually from Habit Aware shout out to Ellen Uh, um, she was asking me like you know what's a mechanism of self-love and I think for me it's like anger is a mechanism of (laughs) self-love like allowing me to feel angry at other people because the inverse of that is me being angry at myself (laughs) and again this like toxic positivity like loop of like no 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 it's fine like we're gonna be all okay it's like no wait a minute you owe me this right i've been working hard and it is your turn to uh like pull up the slack so yeah uh, that is just a place i wouldn't have been in two years ago wow without like my again like bfrb journey so that's incredible are. i'm so happy for you <laughs> that's a huge change because that's yeah forever is forever will be useful um mm. i'm curious about so this anger did i are you vocal about it like how does it come out for you is it like you read it in an email um mm. because i'm working on expressing my anger (laughs) uh feeling and expressing but yeah so Mm. how does it look for you great question i'm still (laughs) practicing while i just explained how i'm yeah like again having bottled anger for so long i don't really know the right channels for which Mm. for it to go through um journaling just like identifying the anger because i think for so long um like you know, and like with microaggressions, like mm. so, someone like jabs you, but like, I like don't even realize and I like keep going and I'm like, I'm irritated about it, but I, I can't pinpoint the source of like what caused it. So it was really mm. important for me to just start with anger. And then like, so as I journal about it, give myself permission to be like, wait a minute, you're allowed to feel angry about this. Cause Again, my thought pattern is this toxic positive one. Mm. Talking to my therapist helps about it. Once I've journaled it, nice. you're like, hey, like, <laughs> Kristen, can you help me out with this? Um, again, going to friends and like fleshing out, hey, something happened to me. I think I'm angry about it. My friends will always be like, yeah, Jason, you should be angry about it. I'm like, oh, thank you. I didn't realize that. Um, and then I think once I've like gotten a grasp of what it is that I'm angry about and like I fleshed out some of the ideas, that's when I start thinking about, okay, well, what is the right tactic to go about voicing my anger? Is it necessary? Um, Because I think often sometimes when I like, if I talk to my counselor about it, if I talk to my friends about it, that might be a point where it's like, Oh, Jason, I'm like ready to let this one go. Like that was Mm. enough processing um, I'm no longer carrying it in my body. Right. Like I said what I needed to say. I found my peace with it. Okay, maybe that's enough. Mm. If not, yeah, maybe it's worthwhile escalating or not. I don't know if escalating is the right word, but 
you know, like going yeah. to the like aggressor, <laughs> just mm, vocalizing like, it. Yeah. yeah. And I think another thing I'm trying to give myself permission to do is like, it's never too late for that. Like, I think mm. oh, I get so caught up in, oh, that was eight weeks ago. Like, why are you bringing this up now? But mm. if I'm still thinking about it eight weeks ago, like, it's worthwhile. And like, yeah. I need to say it for me. Like, I don't care if it, it changes what happened. I need to get it out. And so, yeah, it's like if I follow that process along, I've journaled about it, talked to my people about it. Maybe I like have a phone call. I send that email. Nice. I like that. It multi-step process. Multi-step process. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It's a really good point that sometimes processing an emotion is enough just to acknowledge what's happening. Because I, I think I have this, <laughs> I still have this as, this aspiration or this dream that like, that I'll be able to, actually, I did yell at someone the other day <laughs> and it, I was so shocked at myself. <laughs> like, I, I yelled I was angry and I actually yelled in the moment and mm. I think it's actually the first time in my life I've done that which oh um, my goodness yeah it was a big moment for me and then I like started sobbing <laughs> because, <laughs> it's just a lot of emotions um but roller coaster we warned you guys yeah. <laughs> and you know I in that at that time I well I felt really proud that I did it and I have no regrets about it actually which is interesting because there have been so many times when I've not said something and then regretted it later so just an observation but since I've been thinking about this for so long and knowing my own personality and my like response to conflict is very often like I need space to process before I we talk about it further mm. I don't necessarily expect that I'll become someone who immediately says when I'm angry like loudly mm -hmm. and firmly I think I may there might be some things about how I express myself that will that are it might be really take a long time to change or they may not change that mm -hmm. drastically but I think um the part about okay so how is this emotion affecting me as a person like my experience mm -hmm. of life that's what really matters mm -hmm. um yeah, so I think it's challenging, but it's practice as well. Um, right. Yeah. Um, Allie, uh, BFRB friend Allie, uh, shout out to her. She <laughs> sent me this article that was like uh, the different boundary types. And I really love the introduction of the language that um, that article had. It was rigid, assertive, and porous. So I think mm -hmm. a lot of people say, oh, I have like, I'm really... I'm really bad at setting boundaries, but like, what does bad mean um, with boundaries? Or like, I'm really bad at expressing my emotions. Like, what does bad mean? Oh, I like take a long time to express my emotions. That's not mm. bad. It just, mm. I take a long time. And so when I think about how I set up my boundaries, it's like, I feel like my boundaries are very porous, right? Like it, I allow other people to come in that's beneficial a lot of the times, right? Like I know people who are very rigid with their boundaries. And um, another word I like to use is like brittle. Like uh, mm. it's like, like it won't move, but as soon as it moves a little bit, it like shatters, right? Like, yeah. right. Versus like, oh, like it's like more like jello. Like you can like <laughs> push and it like bends a little bit. And it's like, I think 
that's a good quality that I like. And honestly, as I revisit like how I set up boundaries and how I express my emotions, it's like, I like that I'm a person who, if someone like disrespects me in the moment, I'm not going to like explode back at them and be like, hey, like, how dare you? I am someone who's like, oh, some negativity is coming in. I am like letting it wash through my body. I'm going to absorb it. And you know what? I'm going to send you a a thoughtful text in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) When it's bounced back. (laughs) Um, You know, and I think that's also how I'm trying to redefine how I view myself is Mm. like, it's not a positive negative, or this is the way you should be processing emotions. It's no, this is how I process emotions. I tried the exploding um, (laughs) and I've tried the, well, actually I have never tried the exploding. (laughs) Um, And so, but you know, it's like, it's like part of the toolkit, right? Like it's like, not every response is appropriate for every interaction. And like, it's almost having like a well-developed skill set where it's like, okay, I can explode if I have to, or I can also sit with the anger, let them vent. I'll get back to them tomorrow. And I think that is also an okay response when necessary. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, it's like good to practice both and removing Again, that like value judgment of this is the good way. This is the correct way. This is the wrong way. This is the bad way. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like this vocabulary. Porous boundaries. Those are definitely my boundaries. <laughs> and maybe there's um, maybe part of the practice over time and the toolkit can be like, oh, the level of porosity. Is that the mm. word? Like how you know, it may be in some environments, I can be a little bit more accommodating because maybe it's a new person mm-hmm. that I'm meeting or I, yeah, I, I want some kind of flexibility, but I'll, mm-hmm. I can correct later. Like I can revisit later if I think I need more rigid boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, but in other cases, you know, I'm going to meet up with this person. I know that they're I don't know, direct or they, they tend to cross my boundaries, then I reinforce them, you know, Mm. with sandbags or (laughs) um, like, I think that's a helpful image. Um, And like, what I think is like, what is, what is your element of agency in setting up your boundaries, right? Like, if Mm. I meet with a strong personality, and they like, force me into the like, my porous mode, then I feel very, um, the power has been taken away from me. Right. And I don't, I, this is what it is. Like, I don't have a lot of dignity in the interaction. Like I feel Mm -hmm. like I am just like taken along for a ride. And I think something I'm trying to practice is yeah. Like more agency. I am choosing to be porous right now. I am choosing to be rigid right now. And I feel comfortable and confident and I'm not stepping on anyone's toes. And um, yeah, I feel empowered to decide this or you know what? I'm going to let this go. This is not my battle to fight. Hey, if they need to like run and run around, do this thing. Fine. I'm not going to put more energy in like bolstering my boundaries. Right. It's like, Mm -hmm. as I'm sandbagging, I'm like, do I need to be sandbagging? What if I'll just let them run over? Who cares? It's fine. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So that like agency element, I think is also what I've been thinking about for myself. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, because it does take a lot of energy to, especially if your boundaries are not 
automatically rigid to like reinforce mm-hmm. them. I imagine it's really hard the other way, like people who have very rigid boundaries and are used to exploding. Like I can only imagine how challenging it would be to change those patterns as well. Like would potentially cause conflict sooner as well because the mm. the default is to express rather than hold it or i guess it's more likely to cause external conflict mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yeah that's um yeah it'd be powerful. what a different experience of life that would be probably you know, yeah. <laughs> like automatically you know well i think there's like this like uh there's a gender element to it right like the how women are socialized to be more the submissive, like, oh, like, Mm. just take the verbal abuse and be like, okay, it's fine. Like, you know, and maybe behind the scenes, they like process it. Whereas for men, I think there's this expectation and this like acceptable for men to just explode and they don't really know how to process in other ways, right? Like for men to go away and like, reflect on hey what happened here and yeah like send a an apology letter later on i think that scene is maybe weak right like Mm. and i think there's not a lot of role models for that i'd say yeah and there's this like toxic masculinity expectation for you need to like have rigid boundaries and like fight in the moment Mm. yeah well to me it sounds like I, i i or the way i see it is like yeah, maybe the gendered aspect is, uh, or the toxic masculinity is you either like fight it in the moment or you just don't feel it afterwards. <laughs> like you're done. You, yeah. And so then, but the, I mean, the truth is everyone's going to process emotions. Like it's a normal thing. Um, mm. And the lack of uh, expression in a maybe healthy way or in a way at, at a time scale that works for this person if they don't allow themselves to, I mean, that just builds up over time. Right. So it's, yeah, I think Mm. boundaries. That's what I was saying. um, Or that's what I wanted to say as well. Like I felt a lot of shame in the, the incidents, the, the aggression happened to me. I didn't even realize it, or maybe it did. And I like, wasn't a man enough to like in the moment fight back. And here I'm, here I am like three weeks later, tiptoeing into my boss's office being like, Hey, so I just wanted to like check in on like how you responded in the meeting two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Like that is not something that you you should just let it go. Right. Like, and to me, that is like a moment of growth of like, wait a minute. Sure. It was three weeks ago, but I still am allowed to come come back you know mm. like, i'm allowed to revisit this um this conversation's not over yeah that was like empowering for me to mm. get to that point yeah, yeah definitely yeah i think um the whole conversation we had around um oh i guess this was before we were recording but when uh i was telling you about the board and how people were trying to convince me to join this academic mm. board. Well, I don't even think they were trying to convince me. I just think they were doing what feel, felt natural was that they saw a potential candidate. They approached me. Mm. And as a people pleaser, <laughs> I took that as like, I must do this job or I will disappoint everyone around me. So mm. like, I definitely skewed it in my own head, which I acknowledge. And mm. I, yeah, I'm not blaming anyone else for this. Um, so I found myself in this position of I was just about to join an academic board mm-hmm. and then 
I, my friend asked me, oh, so what are you, why are you doing this? Or what is your role? <laughs> and honestly, I was like, I don't, I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> like, I don't know how this happened. <laughs> and because I had, I guess my boundaries had been so porous mm. that, yeah, I totally shifted my, uh, my situation. And I found myself on this, potentially on this academic board that I didn't want to be on in the first place. And I, yeah, had no reason to be there. And, but even though there had been a lot of back and forth with the people, I've had this conversation, I've said yes to it. Okay. I still, it was still not too late for me to go back on this decision. Like mm. the papers weren't signed, mm. even if they had been signed. I mean, the, like, I think it's always important to, or this is what I'm telling myself. Like if I notice that I'm not I've veered from my track, like mm. it's not too late to correct. So it's not really a conflict, but I mean, it's a conflict with my own, my own desires of my own like decisions about where I put my energy mm. in life. Right. And mm. so a, part, a small part of me was like, well, you know, you've like had this conversation many times with this guy, like that's so flaky. Like, that's so embarrassing what is he gonna think blah 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 like maybe you should just go along with it but no like it wasn't it wasn't too late and I'm so happy that I addressed it but yeah it's tempting sometimes to just say like oh it happened in the past like just move on just uh. but if yeah. it's I think I can feel that thought that like feeling of this is uncomfortable and then it also comes out with my BFRB of course <laughs> I'm of like course. no this isn't gonna work yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah but I would like to get better at yeah, recognizing a little sooner when the boundaries are being crossed or are not as rigid as I'd like them to be mm-hmm. to maybe, yeah, be a bit more clear with people because I think maybe others who have very rigid boundaries might be really confused by my reactions to things. Cause they're like, Oh, you were fine with this two days ago. Like mm-hmm. how did it change now uh, like why did you yeah and why did it change Mm. back again (laughs) and Mm. again (laughs) um yeah so yeah hopefully we'll get better with time Mm -hmm. yeah the the like um you know i think about like consent and like Mm. you know Mm, i I think a lot of people like you know there's some people like don't take no for an answer and just like no i have this vision for what i want for you and I don't care what you want. Like, I, it's like, I believe that I know you better. Like, I think this is going to be so good for you. Um, just trust me or whatever. Right. And uh, the like exchange of trust and consent and like, Hey, are you guys still okay with it? Okay, great. Let's move forward a little bit. Hey, are you guys still okay with it? Let's move Mm -hmm. forward. You know, like, and I think that's important to like establish and set up. Yeah. I don't know. Just like finding the right level of, how suggestible someone is like how much someone is like open to like seeking consent or whatever yeah is oh fraught <laughs> dangerous <laughs> territory and it's confusing because people operate so differently sometimes like mm-hmm. it i mean like it also makes me think of well it makes me think of leadership and how i don't think i would ever put that much effort into convincing someone that they should be in a position of leadership because i mm-hmm. sort of think if they say no like they probably don't want to do it um, yeah. or if they have so many doubts. But I also think it's relevant in dating because mm. like I've been in situations where someone has, where I've wanted to end things, but then the other person has insisted, like convinced me that 
we should give it another shot. Mm. And like, for me, I feel like oh, if I was dating someone and, and they said they had doubts or like they didn't want it to continue, mm. I, I don't think I would try to convince them because yeah. I just like wouldn't feel that sense of like, I know, I know better. I, I don't know. Mm. It's just not something I relate to. Mm. So I wonder how yeah. that comes up for people or how um, it feels. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I think for me, I think, yeah, with dating, I am s- maybe like hyper conscious of the, like, I'm like too sensitive, too worried that the other mm-hmm. person wouldn't want to date me. And I'm just like, I think it started from a place of like recognizing my own self value, my own value. And just, I don't know, kind of have this like assumption that like no one would ever want to date me. So, mm. and I'd be like, Oh, Hey, like, would you want to go on a date? They're like, ah, like, no. And I'm like, okay, let me run away as fast as possible. Right. Like, <laughs> and, and, comparing that with the like oh i'm not going to take no for answer you said no the first time i asked you out let me ask you out again right and Mm -hmm. i i think that's yeah just an interesting again just place to operate of yeah again just like how how people are socialized and how we interact with each other um Mm -hmm. and how that impacts our mental health frankly (laughs) yeah it's true it's all connected um (laughs) I, there was one thing I wanted to weave into this conversation um, okay. weave from, from the very beginning about thinking about, you know, two years ago, Adele, we, we met, we, we started chatting. And I think a big thing that I'm reflecting on and seeing how I've like maybe changed in that time is maybe I was telling you last time about this book I was reading, Atomic Habits. Very mm-hmm. good. Um, and it talked about like goal setting and how people set like outcome goals and there are process goals. And then, um, I've heard this before, like outcome goals are like, oh, I want to run a marathon, but like, what's the process supporting that outcome? Oh, it's like, I need to run like five days a week. So my goal should be to run five days a week. It's like set up a process goal. And I've heard this before, but what the book introduced to me was this identity goal. So there's a third layer, a circle in the middle behind process and it's identity. And it's like, do you believe you're a runner? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> are you somebody who runs? And like, why do you want to run a marathon if you don't even see yourself as a runner? And like, how, like, how does that connect? And I think what I was realizing was for so long, my outcome goal was I want to stop picking my skin. But deep down, my identity was I believed I was someone who picked their skin. And I think... Mm-hmm associated with that i believed i was weak i lacked willpower i couldn't follow through on hard things i was a loser you know i had porous boundaries i was i i've been seeing myself as like you know i think Adele, earlier you threw out the word suggestible i'm like a doormat you know like other people i allow other people to walk all over me um and that was the core identity that i was carrying for so long And my outcome uh, of wanting to stop picking my skin was not in alignment with the identity that I carried of, hey, Jason, why are you trying to pretend like you can stop picking your skin? That's a hard thing. And you're not somebody who can do hard things. So why are you even trying, right? And so you should just give up. And so I think over the last two years, what I've been uncovering and like how I've been growing is like changing 
my identity, changing how I see myself of what are these core beliefs that I carry. And like, Jason, you can do hard things. You can follow through on, you know, uncomfortable conversations and you can like set up those rigid boundaries when necessary. And I, I think fundamentally before I met you, I didn't see myself in that way. And so that's, again, a change. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big change. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's so powerful. I'm, and I think, I mean, honestly, I think it shines through in how you, how you carry yourself, how you talk about what you do or how you, I don't know, just in everything. I, I think it's so, it's, it's a big, big change. I mean, for me, I've, I've seen it gradually, but I can only imagine like for, I don't know, people you haven't seen in two years and then <laughs> you're like, here's my life and how it's changed. Surprise. I don't know, has that happened at all? <laughs> well, I think another thing I've been reflecting on is like how I perceive myself isn't in alignment with how other, like there's this like incongruous, because I'm like hyper self-critical, I am so much mm. harder on myself. Then other people were like, yeah, Jason, I know you could have done that all along. Or like, you were always <laughs> that way. And I'm like, oh, I just needed to like patch up to that. Um, mm. Because like, I didn't think I was good enough yet. But everyone else was like, yeah, not everyone else. But like, you know, other people were like, yeah, you've always been there. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> all this work? <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's That's some so of that. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, yeah, I think there's also those moments of just yeah, the way I talk about my BFRB and how open I am about it mm. now is like that is again also shame, you know, I think it really comes keeps on coming back to shame. Like the shame in mm. which I the the cloud of shame that I like protected myself with and how I'm trying to like step outside of that and Mm. that I think that is really the biggest I think thing that people comment on wow yeah I think I mean what you told me about the the identity based Mm. habits or changes it's I've been reflecting on that as well um, since you talked to me about it a few weeks ago and I think the last two years have been huge in terms of identity for me as well Part of it has been the BFRB, but it has translated in other ways in my life as well. And so I think I like I guess some of the challenges that I'm thinking about now, like moving to Europe was such a huge decision for me. It was such a big change in my life that I mean, I've been wanting to do it for years now, but it's uh, I guess I I mean, I still struggle with this feeling of what if I make the wrong decision? What if I regret it later? What if, uh, the, and I guess the last couple of years have been a really big in terms of figuring out which aspects of my identity I'd like to nurture. Because I guess sometimes I feel like there's so many facets. There's like, I've had so many interests over the years. Like I've lived in many places and sometimes it's confusing. Like, okay, I, I'm suggestible. So I, you know, adapt to different people around me. And I can, I can, I think I can be friends with anyone. Like, I think that's sort of what I realized, which sometimes is good. And sometimes it's just confusing. (laughs) So yeah, I think 
the move to Europe and then also the like, you know what, like I'm someone I can, I can learn programming. Like I believe that I'm a programmer now. Like I, I, I'm a coder. I'm a nerd. (laughs) I make jokes about programming now. Um, So I guess, yeah, like I'm still struggling with this feeling of like, how do I, how do I define my identity and hold it in the long term? Like, because I get influenced by things that happen around me. But as my friend said the other day, like, maybe that's part of your identity. Like, maybe you are someone who adapts and tries new things and is different people over the course of your life. And that's okay. But I guess feeling that like confidence that I can, I can go with it. And I, you know, can try to lighten some of the feelings of of guilt or doubt or some of the pressures like I guess that's the biggest that's the biggest journey for me now is um yeah allowing that to happen so wow wow sad but proud sad but proud proud. (laughs) you know and I think that journey is ever unfolding ever adapting and i think um like yeah that's maybe our um sad but proud ending note um adele thank you so much for this um this episode thank you so much for this year of fidget co-hosting thank you so much for this two years of bfrb journey i um I'm excited for what's next and watching. Yeah, that. Absolutely. Thank you, Jason. I'm, yeah, I feel, I feel good. I feel like this is a good, good episode. (laughs) 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 And um, yeah, many more conversations to go. Um, Maybe I will uh, do some, I will keep notes about uh, experiences (laughs) uh, in the next, in the coming months and, Maybe we can have a guest guest oh. episode someday. Check in oh, I love <laughs> how it. our identities I love changed. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, thank thanks everyone for listening to this. Um, I don't know, strange but nice episode. <laughs> um, yeah. Hopefully, we weren't too self promoting or anything. But hey, you know what? It's a podcast. That's so kind of what we do. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I guess if you want to let us know how your identity has changed or where you're at in your BFRB journey, you can reach out to us at fidgetpodcast at gmail.com or we also have our Instagram at fidgetpodcast. You can join our Patreon and support the show and you'll get a fun newsletter from Jason. (laughs) And uh, yeah, we want to thank Cheyenne for the logo and Thomas for the music. And I want to send out a big big thank you to any guests that I've had the pleasure to talk to through this process and um, friends who've been so supportive friends and family so supportive um, from the launch of Fidget so yeah thanks everyone and stay tuned, stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs>